So I'm going to begin in the dark of the night and the light of the moon. And my small town in Massachusetts is mostly woods and reservoirs and farms, along with homes and some strips of businesses. There is a small state park in an area where the mills used to run, and uh, with the benefit of the water that flowed from the stream and the reservoir there, and they would grind grain and cut lumber. Now, way back, about starting when I could drive, there were these wonderful summer nights when the moon was full and the night was clear and dry and I really wanted to get out of the house. So I would drive to the park at, in the night and park in the area and turn off the headlights and there was only the light of the moon. The fields were open, bordered by beautiful trees. And there was the road and the stone wall lining the fields, also lined with trees. And I knew the ground well enough to walk from the parking area through the fields and up to the very highest point in the park area, in the neighboring farm. And that highest point really set me just enough above everything that I could see the horizon expanding for miles all the way around and certainly could see the vast expanse of the cosmos above. To the east was the city, Worcester, Massachusetts, and that whole hazy light pollution kind of glow from it. And to nearly every other place, the West, there were some glows of some of the city, of the town centers, some miles away. But mostly to the West was a few street lights and house lights and just an expanse of dark and the night sky above. There seemed to be not much difference between the few twinkling street lights and the stars. There wasn't another city from that perspective for miles and miles. And there was the above, the night sky, the stars and the Milky Way and the moon in its full silver and white light. That was, I'm going to say, a little moment of personal worship. That was simply to be bathed in that light. And I could and did breathe it in entirely, the glory of that dark and the sharpness of the light. And simply was present for as long as I could hold the moment in wonder with nothing between myself and the sky. It seemed that in the dark of the night and the light of the moon that I could know things for more of what they really were. Not have this bright, energetic sun in the way. But here was the night 
and the light that came with it and what was revealed just there. We spend a lot of time with night and light this month. There are so many holidays and holy days and faith traditions that show up in this time for all kinds of reasons. And they work with that relationship between night and light. And the deep mysteries that come with that cosmic encounter, that questioning of existence, that wondering if life shall renew again. Now we're entering into exploring the theme of mystery for this month, so I fully recognize the folly of preaching on something that defies words. That's okay. But I want us to spend a moment on mystery because it is all around us and we aren't getting away from it. And a couple of days ago, I sent a note out to some of our electronic methods and asked for thoughts about the mystery, and here's some of your responses. It could be simply, the question of mystery could simply be curiosity, kind of just for the fun of it. You know, in this time we have advent calendars of all kinds, for example, Somebody had a, a sampler of coffee with the coffee that's, the coffees are all different, but they're not labeled. So try, some people will be like, uh, you mean it's not labeled? No. And simply the adventure of trying the coffee and figuring out which one, what it was like, did you like it, and more. Just straight up joy. But there's a deeper element of curiosity one that invites us to be drawn in. It's kind of that impulse that we can't resist getting a little closer. To return, it invites us to return to places where we encounter that curiosity and mysterious happenings again and again, like gardening, for example, and the continual experience of the cycles of plants and all around us. I'm someone who heads to the sea whenever possible, or to the night, or simply a walk to observe the world. One of the examples of mystery was to be at the edge of knowing, to be at the edge of encounter, the edge of being. I like that one in that particular because you're just on the precipice of something different, of an, of an experience that is not quite usual, but is also so common, is inherent in our life. In that moment, that understanding of mystery that's kind of piercing a veil of perception, of pulling something back just a little bit, but still not fully comprehend, like those bead door curtains, right? You're like, I know something is there, but I'm not entirely sure. And it's sensed rather than defined. That mystery is one of great, the great characteristics of mystery is, of course, its inherent inability to be defined. 
and yet still all around us, and yet still a comfort for many of us. The vastness of all that is just, just beyond our reach. I'm fascinated uh, in mystery by layers, how you pull back layers of things and keep finding mystery all the way down. I think it was long ago, probably in some planetarium uh, conversation, there was the reminder that the dark of the cosmos is still all around us even when the sun is shining and the sky is blue. Even in the middle of the day, our earth is wrapped in night. Like mystery is one of those universal experiences in, hum in, in our humanity that we keep trying to figure out again and again. And so much of our, our religious and spiritual practice is in response to what do we do with mystery and what does it do with us? And how we respond, how we generate our rituals and our practices and our uh, cosmologies and more is in relationship, is kind of nature and nurture both about talking about how we are wired, how what spurs imagination, what spurs curiosity, problem solving, what it what brings us into connection. I like this the engineering of of mystery, right? The problem solving impulse there, sitting with mystery. I think is part of our survival, our response to the wonder of the world, figuring out how shall we get to the next day? How shall we get to continue our lives? I think sitting with mystery is an intimate experience, as Gordon McKeeman says, and part of every religious tradition of which I am aware. And it's all part of the highly subjective um, uh, questions around us of existence. Where do we come from in that uh, song? Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? These are the questions behind the question of how does one address a mystery. And it's part of our core practice, this mystery thing in Unitarian Universalism. Our first source talks about from which we draw talks about direct experience of transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, what moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces that create and uphold life. This is part of how we engage with our lives. And the proposed language that we're coming up to for talking about um, our inspirations, a little bit different than sources, but our inspirations also has direct experience of transcending mystery and wonder, that these would open our hearts, renew our spirits, and transform our lives. I so appreciate, and this has been part of our practice, we've recognized this intentionally all the way back in our history, as far as I can tell, I appreciate the more recent incarnation, for example, of the Universalists in the early 20th century, the Humiliati. Um, their symbol was a circle with an off-center cross. 
They were not putting a cross or any symbol at the center of the circle representing the cosmos. Because they knew they needed to leave that space. And leaving that space is as much a part or mystery is as much a part of our theology as trusting reason and science and rational thought. We are counseled to heed the guidance of reason and the results of science that warn us against idolatry. That warn us against idolatry. So we're not going to hold any one understanding of any one theology or any one God or any one creed or a statement of faith as the statement of faith. Because we allow for that space to be open, that mystery to be present. We wonder and question and navigate what to hold on to and what to let go of, especially with science and nature. The woods next to us being as much a teacher as any of the books in our lovely library. This is true for us, and it's true for our children, and we have been operating from that for a long time. And into the universe, into the universe, we shout and send forth and sometimes toot the organ and because we have all of these feelings and experiences in our human existence, the enormity of which we often don't know what to do with. And that, too, is part of the mystery. But Gordon McKeeman reminds us that the vastness, that the universe, that all that is, is, can hold all of it, can hold everything, that is within us, everything we might throw at it, too, in our anger, in frustration, in sorrow and grief. We, we can throw all of that out there, too. It's not simply the pretty things. It's also what is hard and what is a struggle and what is not just and frustrating and impossible. There's one particular aspect of mystery that breaks my heart, though. And that's when that spark of life, that particular thing that animates all the living things, when that spark stops. One moment, something is moving and alive, and the next, it is still, never to be animated again. A gradual and, and gradual and maybe expected progress towards death is difficult. It is heartbreaking in its own way, but can often provide enough time to shift and adjust and grieve at least a bit, say farewell to the people we love when we face that. There's so many other ways that we come to our mortal end, so many speeds and states, unresolved, unresolved. 
the one that really gut punches me is the abrupt and the violent ones. And I want to recognize how much the news has been full of those abrupt deaths. The mystery of death in war. The mystery of our mortality and how we bring it upon ourselves. Because encountering mystery is not all hope and light, right? The vastness and all it contains includes despair and sorrow and anger and rage and fear. To the point where we would other another living creature so much that we would not regard them as worthy of life. Many of the celebrations and holy days of this season include this threat of death or a disruptive end and questions, anxious questions about whether there will be a future. The questions of this month include, will the lamp oil last after the temple was desecrated? Will the light return at the long, after the long end of the night? Will the child be born? Will the empire snuff out the child's life before it even begins? By addressing the mystery, we come to that edge of existence. We come to that wondering, the hoping for meaning. Where do we come from? What are we? And where are we going? What is the significance of my life? And this is regardless of any particular faith or lack thereof. It is a moment with mystery. This question of life and death. It is to be bare and exposed and revealed. To remember that the night and the moon can show more truth than the sun. And that there is nothing between you or me and everything. We enter into this edge of existence holding, holding breath, almost holding the heart to keep it from beating, holding. And then also part of the mystery is the letting go and the breathing again and the returning back to self, it is that is part of that being intimate with mystery. The life and the death and all that is in between. And that the breath that reminds us of life 
is part of that mystery too, as is the beating heart. The engagement with mystery this month is another kind of thinning of the veil. It's not just the thinning of the veil that we see at um, Samhain and All Hallows' Eve and All Souls, but in all of life. It is in this season we come forth with memories and relationships and hopes and expectations. Those all come into this time Regardless of the, what the Christmas retail machine does, our senses are stimulated. We are encouraged to pay attention to the vastness. Sometimes the singing of the carols is a shouting. We navigate this encounter, not, not in just one moment, this encounter with mystery, but over the whole month because we need all that time and all the ways that it shows up. So I invite you, I invite us, to spend time with mystery this month. Discover what emerges. I also want to note you're welcome to come and join us for on Thursday evenings uh, up until Christmas for um, an hour of quiet contemplation in the dark, in the sanctuary. It certainly is given the form from Advent, but it's not ultimately attached to the Christian story. Because people have lit candles and waited in the night for as long as we've been human. Or follow your own practice of being quiet and open, knowing that you have companions along the way. I invite us to address the mystery with curiosity, humility, caution, and quiet. That we let ourselves attend to the vast horizon before us and all that it compasses, the life and the death and all the seasons. Let the mystery be with us and may we be with the mystery. Amen. <laughs>